Well, again, good morning to you. Um, it is good to have you here. Uh, it's good to be here and to be able to worship Christ and to recognize all that he has done for us. Uh, my wife, a uh, quick story for you, she's currently in Nashville. About every couple years, she heads south and she sees what she would call her girlfriends from college. And so they've been doing that for a very long time. I can say that she's not here. And um, she's down there just really celebrating the relationship that she's given to, uh, to her with a lot of godly women. And it's, it's neat to be able to see. It took her a while, though, because, you know, when she leaves town, I'm still left with all the kids and uh, so she's finally confident that they're going to be alive when she returns. And yesterday, I grabbed the kids. I put them around the island there in the kitchen. And I said, I got a, I got a question for you guys. And so we all just discussed this as a family. I said, right now, what are you praying about for your own life that requires the power of God? That might be a great question for you to better answer with a family member or with a friend uh, later this afternoon. What are you praying about right now in your own life that requires the power of God in order for it to come to fulfillment, to fruition? If, that's, if it's going to happen, what are you praying for? And, and a couple of my kids are like, oh, man, that's a good question. I, I say, well, I don't, well, good, then answer it. And like, I don't know if I have an answer. Come on. And so we're giving each other a hard time about it. But th- we need to know, what are we praying for right now in your own life that requires the power of God? Because here's what we've done in the Western civilization. We've actually built everything around around what we're, what we're capable of doing. And I don't want to die one day going, man, I achieved a lot because of my own strength. I want to go, man, I served well because of God's power. And there's a difference in what we can accomplish on our own versus that which we know God has to be present in order for it to take place. What are you praying about in your own life that you know cannot happen without the Holy Spirit stepping in and saying, hey, watch this? Even one of my kids, you know, I was talking to, to one of my daughters. She wants to be a pediatrician, and so she's already, she's, she's in high school. She's mapping out the human body, anatomy, all this stuff, and she loves it, which is great. I said, here's the kicker, though. Yes, you want to pray that you have strength to stay up late at night and study if you go to med school, all that stuff. Um, but here's the kicker is you can pretty much do this in your own power, can you not? And so what we've done as a Western civilization is we've raised kids to say, hey, grow up and do what you think you can do, whatever your desire is. You can do it within your own power and your own strength. And yet if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not about doing what you can do in your own power. It's about surrendering self so that the power of God will work through you. Do we see the difference? Yes or no? I didn't, you know, I'm already like the first service. They're like, you didn't ramp up at all. You just kind of started out of the gates. God didn't preach last week. This is what happens. We know this. Do you recognize that the power of God wants to be so palpable in your own life that without him you'd be unrecognizable? You, You wouldn't even know what to do. So we're speaking about what it is to be an outpost today, an outpost of the kingdom of God, yes, as our homes, but also that begins with individuals, but it's also as churches, we desire to be an outpost. 
I've pastored in six different churches, three as a lead pastor, and as I've done that over the years, there are certain commonalities, especially with when I've gone to other churches to, to speak or to do a conference or what have you, and I've looked at those different churches, and I tell you, there, there's, there's not a lot, of, a lot of things that they sometimes have in common, but I'll tell you one of the things that I always see is I always see in some regard, I see churches that are striving, that are doing everything that they can to make sure that they can, that they can, that they can accomplish that which is in their own power. What can we do? What can we, what can we achieve? How efficient can we be, right? How, how balanced can we? Can we make sure that we control everything well enough? Can we make sure that we do this or do that? And I struggle sometimes as a pastor because I don't want... My job is not to make sure that we're efficient. My job is not to make sure that everything is timely. If you, do, if you got here on time before, you know that we're about 10 minutes over in the first service. I'm going for 20 in this, amen? And the other people, they can wait, amen? I'm just kidding. Not, I'm not at all, I'm, but I'm kidding. I don't even know because what we want to do is we want to map everything out. But yet, don't we as believers more than anything, anything in our life, don't we desire for the Holy Spirit to step in and to have his way? And so are we not then sometimes controlling what we believe God can do? We need a greater Blowing of Holy Spirit in our lives, not lesser than. We need a more than. We don't need to be more restrictive in what we think God can do. We need to be more open-minded that God can achieve more than we've ever asked or imagined through His strength. God can restore your marriage. I don't care how broken it is. God can redeem your life. I don't care what you've done in the past. And God can revitalize and awaken churches to be a part of a movement that will step into the community in which they are in and to proclaim, Jesus is my Lord. That can happen. Who wants to be a part of it? That's a tricky tricky question. Be careful. Because we all know I'll hold you accountable to it. We have created a society, even our church culture, that needs little help from God to accomplish our purpose and vision. And that's scary. Because scripture tells us not only that we need help from God, that, but that we are to be desperate for God. Not only do we need help from God, but we are to be desperate for God because we know that without God, we have nothing and we have, we, we have the responsibility of taking all of the punishment that comes with our sin and our brokenness that we've done throughout our, throughout our life. And so we need to be desperate for God to intercede on our behalf. Holy Spirit, please. The church must not try to do the work of God without the power of God. And you are the church. You are his people. Sometimes I think we forget what type of war we're in. We're in a spiritual war. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us that the battle is not against blood and flesh, right? But it's, about, uh, it's against evil rulers and authorities. 
It's a dark battle. And so why are we striving to fight a spiritual battle with human hands? If you strive to fight a spiritual battle, which is this world with human hands, you will fail. But if you strive to fight a spiritual battle with the mighty hand of God, with the Holy Spirit working in your life, you've already won. And so we pray that as an outpost, the Holy Spirit would work in our life. If you want to be an outpost of the kingdom of God, you had better pray for God to do wonderful things in your life, and you need to be dependent upon Him. If you're not relying on the Holy Spirit, you're relying on self. And if, you're, if you are relying on self, you are cheating yourself from knowing something so much greater. You're cheating yourself. So we pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit, just so you know, the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence today. That's what it is. The Holy Spirit is God's personal presence today. He's more than a force. He's a person. It's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence today. We know that the Spirit was hovering over the dark in the book of Genesis so here's the Spirit hovering even over the dark as God is preparing and, and, and is walking through creation. We know that. We also know that later the prophets were then empowered by the Spirit to bring messages from God to the people. But we also know that humans gave into the evil ways. We gave into self and we chased after self. And so we are told by the prophets that... The, that the Spirit would come again but to, in order to transform hearts and to empower people. That's why in the, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, you know, I think everybody should know the, the movement of the, the, the first several chapters of Matthew. I think it's incredibly important. You've got the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, right? Then you've got the birth of Jesus, Matthew chapter 3. You've got Jesus being baptized by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came and landed on him in the form of what? It's a bird that flew around in the form of a what? A dove. So here comes Holy Spirit to empower. Matthew chapter 4, we know he's in the wilderness for 40 days. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. And he just starts his ministry full throttle. That's who Jesus was. I mean, he just started calling out, this is what it is. So the Holy Spirit is something that's very real for us. And so the Holy, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, right, landed on Christ. And yet now we also know that Christ promised that he would leave with them a gift, the disciples and all other people, a gift. And it's called Pentecost, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, in which God left with us the Holy Spirit to dwell with us. God is alive and well today through the Holy Spirit. God is alive and well today through the Holy Spirit. And so we know that it's impossible. It is impossible to live as an outpost without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is in, again, hear this. The whole, it, it is impossible to live as an outpost. Outpost of the kingdom of God as an individual but also as a, as a home. It is impossible to live as an outpost without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I begin with the question of what are you praying that God is doing in your own personal life today that requires the power of God in order for it to happen or can you just accomplish it on your own? What is that for your life?
I love praying that prayer because then you can never receive the credit for self. Like when you know it's God that's done something, you, you know what I'm talking about. I was like, oh, that wasn't me. That, that was God. You can't take credit for it. There's just no way. And all of us need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so what does that mean? If we really began living as Holy, with just the Holy Spirit, living within us, dwelling within us. And by the way, I need to go ahead and tell you right now that if, if you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit's already living within you and you don't need anything else. You are good to go. We need to stop the 20-year on-ramp to start being a witness of Jesus Christ when as soon as you profess that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're giving the gift of Holy Spirit, get ready to rock and roll. Amen. Right? That's what it is. But you see, in our culture, what we've done is we've said, well, I go to church because of a tradition, or I go to church because I was told to go to church, or I go to church maybe just be inspired, or I go to church for whatever reason it might be. But we actually come to church because we know that we are sinners. We have been saved from damnation for eternity with the living God. And we know that he dwells within us through the Holy Spirit and that he desires to empower us, that he will speak for us on our behalf, even to the Heavenly Father. And so we chase after him and we surrender all that we have before him. That's what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. There is no partial gospel. There is a full gospel and every single piece of it is wrapped around the name of Jesus. That's it. So we pray for the Holy Spirit to come into our life. And so how does that even work? What is, what is the role of the Holy Spirit as a person coming into our life? And so I want to hit five different ways that we know that the Holy Spirit works in our life. Five different roles that the, even the Holy Spirit has in our life. And I'm going to run through these very, very quickly. So the very first thing that we learn is that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit pray, helps us to pray. The, if you look at this, the Spirit helps us to pray. Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. Listen to this. It's, this is a New Living Translation. It says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. All, already, I, I find confidence knowing that, man, when, sometimes I just know when I'm just weak and, and maybe I'm confused and I don't know exactly what to do in life or in a situation or if I'm just exhausted and yet it tells me that the Holy Spirit helps me in my weakness God himself Holy Spirit is person God himself is here to help you in your weakness it says for example we don't know what God wants us to pray for but the Holy Spirit sometimes you don't know what to pray for have you ever been in that place you're like I know I need to pray but I don't know what to pray exactly and I've been there many many times in my life and yet it tells us that the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words that the Holy Spirit will speak on your behalf right verse 27 it says and the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. The Holy Spirit guides us to be in tune with who God is. The Holy Spirit allows us to see exactly what he's wanting, which walks straight into the next role of the Holy Spirit. And this is something I speak about often that all of you I know are fond of. The Holy Spirit, you know what else the Holy Spirit does? The Spirit convicts us of sin. Isn't that our favorite topic? Do I get an amen? 
nobody. The Spirit convicts us of sin. Now, you know, I, I believe that conviction is a blessing. I really do. I say it all the time. Conviction is a blessing. Conviction, right? Holy Spirit is a person living within you as soon as you say yes to Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit, when he comes and he convicts, he's saying, listen, you know that you're living, you're doing something in your life right now that's pushing you away from the Heavenly Father. I know you don't really want that if you examine deep down who you are. And so will you please turn from that and turn toward God? The, the conviction is a blessing, it is a gift to us. Now, you do need to know this. There is a difference between conviction and guilt. I want to address this because this is something I speak about often with my wife. I'm like, honey, is this conviction or is this just guilt from this person called Satan? He's also known as the accuser. So is this conviction or guilt? What are you experiencing? And she's, she's always like, Joe, I don't really need a sermon right now. I'm like, honey, I just want you to live according to what God is wanting. But she, I just don't want to sermon, right? That's how it kind of goes. And uh, it's a wonderful conversation for me. Um, I'm like, honey, you're listening to the accuser. You're living in this guilt. Listen, here's, what, here's some commonalities about conviction. You got to get this, okay? So give me a moment with this. Conviction is always based on scripture. You'll always find it in the word of God. It's always, it's always found in Scripture. So, hey, if you're experiencing conviction, there's, there's something in the Scripture that is letting you know, whether it be about sexual immorality or anything else, about the language that you're using or about how you're treating other people and not as Christ, as someone who humbled himself, became obedient to death. There's something there that you're going to go, okay, it's rooted and grounded in Scripture. Um, we need to know that about conviction. Also, it always ends with hope. There's always hope that can be found. God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. We know this. God can restore churches and renew marriages. All of these things, it always ends in hope. Because God has not designed for us to go, hey, yeah, I'm a failure, so now I'm going to live in that failure. He's designed for us to recognize that we're, we're nothing without him, but with him we're everything, and we can celebrate the new life we have in him. But guilt, guilt often comes, it's not always, you can sin and have guilt because you knew, you knew that you did something wrong. So, but it, can all, it often comes though, in today's society, it often comes from the accuser. Rarely is it ever tied to scripture. And it's making you, it's beating you down in who you can become in Christ. It's giving you doubt toward who you can be in Christ and the love that God has for you. There's a difference between these two. Also, one of the things I've learned about guilt with many people is that you know it's not of God, it's of the accuser. When it's just kind of loosey-goosey is what we would call it. Like it's one of these things that's kind of muddy. It's, what's this really about? I just know that I don't feel a value. And that comes from the accuser. So know there's a difference between these two. Now, again, you can experience guilt from the sin that you've had in your own life. But what I'm telling you is that when conviction comes from the Spirit, He's helping us to become more aligned with God. So the Spirit helps us to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us to, to experience conviction of our sin. And that's important for us in order to be able to be an outpost a third thing that you need to know that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit produces new birth. I think, I think about Nic, uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3. 
Nicodemus was a, a person who was a learned individual who kept having questions, and all of a sudden, um, I believe it was some promptings of Holy Spirit. He had to go in the middle of the night to ask Jesus, like, who are you really? Like, I need to know about what you're speaking because there's something more to life, and that might be some of you right now. You're going, I'm at church, but I'm not sure who God is. I'm not sure who Christ is, and you're curious, and you're like, I just have some more questions. What Nicodemus discovered is that the Holy Spirit brought new birth. It tells us in John chapter 3, verse 3 and following, it says, I say to you, unless one is born again, this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus when he's coming and asking questions. He's like, Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus follows that up and he says to him, how can a... How can a man be born again when he's old? Was he going to go back in his mother's womb? Be born again? And Jesus says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. Now listen to this. The wind, Holy Spirit, that's what it's referring to is the Holy Spirit blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now I want you to draw a correlation here between what's happening in, with Pentecost Acts chapter 1 and 2, Pentecost is taking place. That's when the Holy Spirit falls upon the church and they get up and they go and do that which they have been commissioned to do. Five different times Jesus gives the, basically the great commission after his, his uh, resurrection, before his ascension in those 40 days. He keeps telling him, go do this, go do this. The last time was in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I'll get into that in a second, but what we have to know is that in Acts chapter 2 verse 2, something very significant is taking place because what it tells us is it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Now, this is when they're, they're waiting on exactly what to go do. They'd gone into an upper room to pray and to be with each other. Jesus had already ascended into heaven. And it says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Jesus had told them before he left, go and wait. You're going to know when. They're about to find out. The wind is now. Suddenly from heaven a sound came as a rushing mighty wind. There's that wind again. And it says, the wind filled all the house where they were sitting. That's the Holy Spirit coming and filling every part of that home to empower them, to allow them to go forth and to be an outpost wherever they were and one of the things I love about this passage is it tells us that the whole that the Holy Spirit that the wind came and blew in all of the house it doesn't say the Holy Spirit came and blew into the the the, the front entryway it doesn't say and I know our homes look different certainly than they did then but it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit came and blew just into the garage until they shut the door it didn't say that the Holy Spirit came and blew into the bathroom. It says it blew into all the house. That's why I say there is no partial gospel. That's why I say that when you profess into Jesus Christ, he now desires all of you, not a portion of you. He desires to blow into every part of your life. If you've pulled anything away from God, you have done so in sin. Because God now is in charge of all of it. 
if you profess faith in Jesus Christ. He desires to blow into all rooms of your home, into every aspect of your life. That's what his desire is. And so, yes, the Spirit also produces this new birth of us because on the day of Pentecost, what we find is that they, they witnessed an amazing power from the demonstration of the Holy Spirit coming and blowing amongst them. That they were able to accomplish things that they knew they could not accomplish on their own. What are you praying for that you know can only happen if the power of God is in your life? Are we okay with the power of the Holy Spirit blowing and having his way? So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit produces new birth. A new understanding comes with that new birth, a new comprehension of what God can use you for. I firmly believe that if we really want to be outposts of the kingdom of God, that individuals in this place right now will end up being sent out into this community, even by this church, that we'll be eager to do so to represent who Jesus Christ is. This is what our chair of elders last week was speaking, John Van Dyke, about this very thing. When he was in front of you and he was speaking, letting you know, we have every intention of sending out sites. We have every intention of being outposts and people in this room going, I want to step into spiritual leadership training like I've never done before. Maybe I need to be here every Tuesday night and every Saturday morning, whatever it is. And we're going to push, push, push because we know that God is capable of doing so much more than what we've already witnessed. But really one of our big thrusts is that we want to make sure that we're investing in other churches. Because if we really, this place is always going to be limited in what we can do in one location, but I believe God is wanting to jump in not to dozens, but to hundreds of churches in Michigan. I do believe that there is a revival coming. I believe that firmly. In fact, if you look at scripture, it says persecution will come. Bring persecution. Can you start praying for boldness and courage more than you pray for comfort, please? That's the challenge for you. There it is. There's a challenge is that this week you will pray more for courage and boldness than you, than you will pray for comfort. Because of Western civilization, once again, we've built everything off of comfort and making sure that even the way that we align, I've talked with you about this before, the, how we align the times for people to come to worship and, well, these people won't think it's as convenient or these people won't think that it's as easy to get to. Listen, if you're sold out for Jesus Christ, you don't care. You don't care about the same things that you used to care about. You don't care that you get your way. You just want the way of the Father to be had. What I'm dumbfounded by is the number of people who keep trying to reproduce and to do the same thing that has been done for generations. But look at where it's gotten our nation. Do you not know that our God is more powerful than what we have currently witnessed? Our God can redeem all of society, all of community, the entire world. He is capable. He is more than powerful enough. Will we let him use us to be a part of his kingdom? What we need to recognize is one of the other things the Holy Spirit does for us that we need to be praying is that the Spirit would give us courage. And that's exactly what the Spirit wants to do. That's why I'm asking you, will you pray more for courage and boldness than you do for comfort and ease? 
Sometimes we find ourselves just needing courage. If, if we're unwilling to obey in the midst of believers, what are we going to be like when we're in the midst of unbelievers? Well, you have the courage to step forward and say, you know what, I, I pray the Holy Spirit would jump into my life like never before. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does, the final thing I want to make sure that we share about today is that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives us power to share our faith. In Acts chapter 1, um, this first begins with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he, Jesus speaks the words, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many, day, not many days from now. Jesus Christ is letting them know, I'm about to send you out in a way like you've never been sent before, but I'm going to give you this gift. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, God in person, in your life, living in your heart. I'm going to give this to you. And what we learn is that all of a sudden the disciples, being human, wanting to make sure they controlled everything, they just wanted to know when and, when and where, Jesus. When are you going to return? What's it going to look like? And he's going, don't you know? You're not going to know when. You're not going to know where. Relax on that. Just do as I've commanded you. Go and tell the entire world, everybody you meet, get on boats. This is what they did. Get on boats with holes in them, sell across the Mediterranean, go to places that are crazy dangerous where nobody believes in Jesus Christ and I want you to jump into the world and let them know that you discovered the greatest news that anybody can ever hear. They need to discover that all their brokenness for eternity there's a solution. For all of eternity they need to know that there's hope and that name is Jesus Christ. Do we get that? And so the Holy Spirit jumps into your life you are now, he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It'll be on the screen here for you, right? Let's just go to that if we could. There we go. You will receive power. This is for everybody who is a believer. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When you say yes to Christ, the Holy Spirit is coming on you. And then he says, as a result, you're going to be a witness of Christ everywhere you go. Nothing is off limits from the power of God. Not your home, not your marriage, not your school, not your work. If you tell me to shut up, I'm going to call it out louder. Jesus is my God. And we need to have a boldness and a courage like we've never had before. Right? I promise you, as people looked at the New Testament church, nobody looked at them and said, man, they were just all straight-laced and they made sure that they kept everything nice and orderly. They looked at them and said, what are you doing? You're losing everything. Don't you know they're going to persecute you? Why are you getting on this boat? What are you doing? They were considered to be radical in many ways. But let me tell you now, it was worth it. It's the reason we proclaim that Jesus is our Savior. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to jump into your heart? Because your life will not look the same. God, I want to come before you to 
give you thanks, worship, honor, and all glory. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Your name is holy and righteous. Your name is perfect. You have done all things according to your promises and the covenants that you've made. And so we offer you all of ourselves, God. Take us all. Take us all. God, jump into the hearts of these friends. Use them as a witness of who you are. Give them courage, God. May they know new life that you bring through Holy Spirit. May they recognize, God, that even in their prayers when they don't know what to utter, that you will give them the words needed even in groanings. God, please, O oh Lord, have your way. Have your way in these homes and in these families. May we be an outpost as a church. God, have your way. In Christ's name.